I'm Courtney Lundeen, and welcome to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. Do you find yourself wishing you could have more moms, sisters, and friends encouraging you and pouring into you, inspiring you to live as the mom God has called you to be? Too often, our culture minimizes the role of motherhood, but I believe that being a mom is a high calling, and we're answering the call and stepping up to the plate. I love simplicity and efficiency, habits and routines, but my favorite part of life is being a mom. If you want practical strategies to lighten your load, simplify your life, let some things be easy, and make room for what matters most, you're in the right place. I'll remind you that every blessing and provision is God's and help you reflect that mindset in your homes and to your families. Thanks for joining me, friend. I'm glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. Happy New Year if you are listening to this in real time. I am so grateful that you guys are here and listening, and I'm really excited for some upcoming topics that I have planned for the podcast, so stay tuned. One thing I want to quickly tell you guys about is I made a downloadable PDF of some of the basic Bible verses that I think are most helpful to moms. These are just a list of Bible verses that you can memorize and apply and speak them out in your day-to-day parenting. Most of these Bible verses are mentioned in episode number three, Faith in Practice with Kids. And that has been one of the episodes so far that you guys have loved. So thank you for your feedback. And if you want this free PDF, go to my website, CourtneyLundeen.com, and you'll see the link for the download Bible verses for moms, and it's free. So the topic of today's episode is scarcity versus abundance mindset. And this might sound extreme, but when I first heard this explanation of this concept, it really was transformative in my life. I really love personality tests and Enneagram and stuff like that, learning about the different ways people think about things. And I don't really think that these classifications necessarily box us in. Actually, I think the opposite. I think the more that we learn about how we think about things, it opens our minds and frees us up, kind of giving us the information to be proactive instead of reactive with how we interpret life. It helps us interact with compassion with other people because we can understand a bit more of where they're coming from. So this concept of abundance and scarcity mindset is just another lens that you can use to view your life and your circumstances, and I hope it is helpful to you. Part of this will be in reference to physical possessions. That's one thing that is kind of something I love thinking about, and you guys have heard me reference on my podcast my desire to have a streamlined and efficient life and home, leaving room for what matters most. And the truth is, a lot of times, physical items get in the way, physically and mentally. So part of this discussion will be along the lines of loosening our grip on our physical items, or at least loosening the control or safety that we feel about those items. But this discussion overall is so much more than that. It can be applied to all areas of our lives. I really think and pray that whether you have never heard this concept before, or even if you have, that something today will open your eyes and set you free in some way, that this knowledge will be power to you. So the basics. First, I'll go into the difference between thinking with a scarcity mentality and an abundance mentality. 
So basically, scarcity thinkers are focused on what is lacking. Scarcity thinkers have a victim mentality, thinking there's not enough for everyone. They have a hard time collaborating or sharing credit with others. They think there's not enough for me if someone else is doing well. They think everything is getting smaller, resources and opportunities are running out. Scarcity thinkers feel powerless, like everything happens to them and everything is someone's fault. Scarcity thinkers are competitive. They are more likely to be takers than givers. Their negative attitudes are draining to others around them. Synonyms might be, sometimes people say, poverty mindset or fixed mindset. It is basically being so busy thinking about what you don't have or what someone else has that you miss out on what you already have. You miss out on the plans God has for you and the possibilities right in front of you. Ultimately, scarcity comes from fear. On the flip side of this, abundance thinkers. Abundance thinkers have overcomer mentalities. They are focused on what they have, what they are capable of, and the possibilities right in front of them. They believe that everything is getting exponentially bigger, that there are resources and successes available for all to share. Abundance thinkers have a win-win mindset. They take ownership instead of blaming. They spend mental energy on creativity and new possibilities. They are flexible and adaptable. Abundance thinkers aren't afraid of taking risks and consider all things within reach. When we are thinking with an abundance mindset, we aren't hurried and rushed and grasping for straws. We can make decisions that align with the values in life we purposefully chose. We don't have to compare and compete. Abundance thinkers feel empowered, are givers, contributors, and their positive attitudes energize others. Contentment doesn't really sit with the, the scarcity mindset. If you're focused on what you lack with a scarcity mindset, you're not content. Contentment helps us to not cling to our things with a tight grip. Contentment helps us hold our things with open arms. 1 Timothy 6-7 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of it. Life is not about the continual pursuit of things. Hebrews 13-5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Philippians 4-11 says, I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. The Bible talks a lot about greed in a negative sense and debt in a negative sense. We all already know that those things are bad. The Bible says that God will meet all our needs, not necessarily all our wants, but all of our needs. The Bible says the love of money is bad. Money isn't bad. Money is one of the ways we change the world. Actually, I believe pretty strongly that the world needs wealthy Christians who can give and meet needs and help. This conversation is not about not wanting or accumulating money. It's about our heart and our mindset surrounding it all. It is a great goal to be in the position of having plenty of money, not loving money, and being able to give it. Luke 6, 8 says, Give and it will be given to you. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That is one of my very favorite verses. I just know people that live that verse out. My sister is one of them. 
People who are so willing to give any single thing they own to someone else, and they are blessed for it. I love to visualize that verse. What you give will be given back to you. So imagine a cup that you gave something from. It was filled to the top and you gave it all away. But now God says that your gift will be given to you in full. So picture that same cup that's full and it's returned right back to you. But not only that, the amount in that cup is pressed down and shaken together, making room for more in that cup. And even then it is spilling over and running over. That's how much you're going to get back when you give. Isn't that so cool to picture? If you're wondering what mindset you have when it comes to your finances, I have a couple of questions for you. Do you tip well? Do you tithe? The tithe, it is such an obvious proof of our mindset, at least financially. Do you trust that God will provide? Are you holding such a tight grip that you don't give one-tenth of it to the Lord when he says directly to test him on this? Malachi 3, 8 through 11 is about the tithe. It says, test me in this and see if I don't open the heaven itself to you and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Right before that, in some translations, it says, you're under a curse because you're robbing God if you're not tithing. We are going up against that direct wording from the Lord in his word because we have such a tight grip on that last 10%. This whole concept and premise isn't about money. God does not need our money. It is about the posture of our hearts. He asks each person to give, whether you're a child getting an allowance or you're a millionaire. It's proportional, so we each have that same opportunity to experience the freedom and release of control when we give it to God, so we can experience His provision and His blessings. I know all of this might seem like I'm on a tangent from the scarcity and abundance mindset, but it really does apply. Are your thoughts and mindset focused on what you lack, driven by fear? Or are your thoughts and actions aligned with the abundance mindset of, there's more where that came from? That you can act purposefully according to the life you have chosen, because you assume responsibility and believe in possibilities. You have a loose grip on what you own, because it's all God's anyway. Sometimes my cousin sends me sermons to listen to from a church called Bridgetown, and their pastor, Tyler Statton, is just full of wisdom. Every sentence that he says is super eloquent and packed with power. Recently, he said, anyone who has counted the cost of following Jesus and counted it high has accurately counted it. But anyone who has counted it and decided it is too high has not accurately counted the reward. I'm not teaching you this to give you restrictions, but because I want you to experience freedom. As I mentioned earlier, this concept does not just apply to physical things, but a lot of times it does. And sometimes that is an even easier way to see what mindset you're using. I think personally, I've always had super organized tendencies, but I have brought in more of the minimalistic principles over the last decade or so. And I think there is so much freedom to be found when we literally own less physical possessions, simplifying to make room for what matters most, as I like to say. So along those lines, thinking scarcity and abundance when it comes to physical items. If you're viewing your belongings with a scarcity mindset, you might be spending so much time constantly reorganizing all of your belongings. You might not be able to park in your garage because it's full of things you don't even use. 
you might spend your precious time always looking for things because you have a hard time finding what you need quickly. You might spend extra money storing items away from your house. You might be afraid to get rid of things because what if you need it someday? Maybe you don't trust that your future self would be able to find another good deal or repurchase that item later on if truly needed. Maybe you're holding on to things that your past self liked or things that your future self you hope to be could need or want. You keep a sense of control by ensuring that you own everything you could ever need. You're subconsciously competing with other people, wanting to impress them, being burdened or indebted because of prioritizing what other people might think. But if you're viewing your belongings with an abundance mindset, you have a loose grip on your physical items. You are always ready to give. You believe in quality over quantity. You have what you need and you are not constantly striving and searching and spending for more, more, more. You are able to give your items and your time and your money because you're not held down. You have space for the things that you own and you can easily find the things that you need. You are more concerned with your present life and want things that you can use now. You are comfortable with space. You have space in your mind to relax and be present. You don't have to spend all your time moving things, sorting things, packaging things, feeling guilty about not using all of your things, feeling guilty over the money you spent on all your things. You know that if you happen to need something that you don't own anymore, you would be able to get by without it, borrow it, or repurchase it. You have contentment. I listen to anyone I can that talks about decluttering and organizing and efficiency, and it is a well-accepted belief among those people of the world that your things take up your time, whether you want to admit it or not. You're moving it, cleaning it, walking around it, paying for the space it takes up. Our things take up our time. I can and probably will make at least an entire episode on tips for decluttering and deciding what to keep. But one more category that I'll discuss now is the guilt that we carry about keeping other people's things. People in our family who have passed away or gifts we receive from others. I can almost guarantee you that the other person would want you to be living your biggest, most full, most present life. They don't want you burdened by things. If those items are a blessing to you and you love them or use them, that's amazing. If not, I'm sure that person would rather you let someone else get some joy from those items. Free yourself up physically and mentally. And a side note, I don't want any of this to be guilt-inducing. If you have recently moved or you have had family members recently pass away and you haven't dealt with those items yet, that does not necessarily mean you are stuck in a scarcity mindset. I know there are circumstances that exist. I just hope this information helps you as you move forward. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows what you decide is treasure to you. What is your treasure? Your things in your house? Your money in your bank account? Are you operating with a spirit of generosity and overflow? Or are you storing it up for yourself and seeking comfort from it? Sometimes resources might actually be scarce in some particular areas. But that doesn't mean that it has to be our mindset. We can shift our minds away from staying in that scarcity mentality, and then we can make purposeful decisions to move ourselves away, and at the same time mentally and praying and believing not to stay there. The mindset is not just a product of our circumstances. In fact, I believe it's more likely that the reverse is true. 
Could it be that our mindset is shaping our circumstances? Could we tip the scales now that we are aware? You don't have to hear this and think, oh great, I'm a scarcity mindset person. I'm doomed. It's not a personality trait. Just think of it as a lens through which you're viewing something or viewing several different things. I do think it's likely that the same people either apply these particular mindsets to most areas of their lives, but you may realize in certain areas you're particularly influenced by the scarcity mindset. And now you have this information and the power to change your mindset. You can literally imagine yourself taking off that lens and choosing how you're going to view your life. That's the purpose of this conversation, to train ourselves to think the way that we want to, to train ourselves to think the way that God teaches us to think, to form new tracks in our mind intentionally. So now we'll talk about some ways to change ourselves from scarcity thinking to abundance thinking. First, we can pray that God can set us free from being so concerned with what we lack. We can pray that God can help us focus our minds on what is right in front of us and give us a posture of gratitude and contentment. Graham Cochran's tips for turning from scarcity to abundance mindset is to turn things into a question. So instead of thinking, I'll never be first because that girl always wins. Think, how could I get better? Instead of thinking, I can't afford that. Think, how could I afford that? Instead of thinking, I hate my job, think, how can I find purpose in my job or find a different job? One way to transform your mindset is to zoom out, if you can. Allow yourself to dream. Think of the big picture of who you want to be, what you want your life to look like, and start making choices that align with those dreams. Choosing what you want most over what you want right now. You can decide to become a learner. Instead of always trying to prove yourself, Learn, learn more, grow, open your mind, prepare and plan ahead so you don't have to be continually fixing and repairing and operating out of desperation. I know this is a podcast for moms and a lot of you listening care a lot about parenting. So my kids are still so young and I'm still learning ways to teach them this concept, but probably the most obvious way is to just live it out ourselves, to be the example. They will learn from us whether we want them to or not. But I do think my own parents did a good job of teaching my siblings and I abundance mindset, so I can speak to that for a second. Even though I'm pretty sure my parents never specifically learned the language scarcity or abundance mentality, or maybe they did. I don't remember them ever communicating that specifically to us. Um, But they didn't teach us necessarily from some type of guide. They just lived it and taught us that as they lived it. I think a verse I have already mentioned in a previous episode that was one of the cornerstones of my family's parenting was Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. More for them doesn't mean less for you. We surround ourselves with people who inspire us. We don't always have to be the big fish in the little pond. You may have heard the phrase, a rising tide raises all ships, or you become like the people that you spend your time with. One good example I have from my own childhood of a scarcity or abundance mindset in regards to teaching our kids that there's room at the top for everyone is something that my dad did while we were growing up. My siblings and I were all really into competitive sports. My sister and I danced and my brother played soccer. And we weren't necessarily world-class athletes or anything, but our parents expected us to be good at our sports and we all were relatively pretty good at our sports. One of my memories growing up was that 
my dad didn't really tell us that we were the best unless we were. He would never say things like, those judges are biased. I can't believe they didn't pick you. This competition is rigged. You guys should have won. My dad would instead say things like, why do you think that particular girl won first place? What do you think that she did that you didn't do? And that wasn't necessarily rude to try to make me feel bad. I could feel the lesson in it even when I was young, that the message that he was communicating to me was more, there's something available to you from where that winner is coming from. What did the first place girl do? And it's probably something that you could do. Did she go to more practices? Did she watch videos of herself dancing to learn what she was doing? It taught us a growth mindset. He would, of course, tell us good job and that he was proud of us. He just didn't act closed-minded like his children should always be the winners or that it must be that the judges or teachers were wrong. Along those same lines, my mom explained to us that our sports cost our parents time and money. And they loved our sports and they loved us and they loved that we played sports. But they didn't just like let us waste their time and money by being lazy. And they didn't consider it an option that we would be giving the bare minimum effort. At our dance studio growing up, it was a fixed price for certain technique classes that we were required to go to. I think we had to go to two a week, but there were maybe like five to seven a week offered. And my mom explained it to me and my sister that if we were spending all this time and money, we need to get out of it all that we can. So she expected that my sister and I attend optional extra classes if they were times that we would already be at the studio or if they were right before or after our classes. And if we ever had problems with our coaches, our mom really did try to stay out of it. She would talk me through what I needed to say and how to approach the situation, but then she really mostly let me do it all myself. All of these things are more for parenting older kids because that's what I'm remembering right now, but I do think the concept applies across the board. If we want our kids to have abundance mindsets, we have to have that ourselves. We want them to believe that there is room at the top for everyone. We want our kids to be overcomers. We want them thinking that things are within their reach. We don't want them to feel powerless, to feel like everything happens to them, or to be focused on what everyone else has. Like I said, the best way to teach our kids this is to become more like that ourselves. So I hope this episode will be a blessing to you. I'd love to hear any additional ideas you guys have for ways we can switch our brains from the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset. You can email me or you can leave a message on the social media post for this episode. Before we go, I would like to say a little prayer and blessing for you. Dear God, thank you for each person listening to this message. Please inspire them with these words and draw them closer to you. Help us to prioritize what matters to you. Help us live in your freedom, peace, and to want what you want. Let us be a blessing to our families and to our friends. Amen. If you want more of the Elevate Motherhood podcast, head to my website, CourtneyLundeen.com. You can sign up for my monthly email that will include the most recent podcast episodes, scripture and encouragement, and links for things we love or talk about on the show. Thanks for being here, friends. Until next time, let's elevate motherhood.